Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. These are some crazy times. Once we get back to the new norm, there's so many awesome things to do right here in Mississippi. Just go to visit Mississippi.org to find out more. Today's guest, a major leaguer and pitcher, was born and raised in Greenwood, Mississippi, right down the road from where I'm standing right now. He graduated from Pillow Academy and would choose LSU as his next mound to conquer. He was drafted by the Kansas City Royals in 2009 Major League Baseball draft, where he spent his four years playing and then was called up to the majors his first time out, two scoreless innings against the Cleveland Indians in his Major League debut. His first Major League save would follow. I know the feeling of playing my songs in Madison Square Garden, but pitching a perfect 11th inning against the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium, well, that's got to be a whole nother thing. He would move on and play for the Los Angeles Dodgers, where he appeared in 61 games as a vital piece of their rotation, then on to the Detroit Tigers in 2018, and now after a really, really wonderful career in the major leagues, has decided to hang it up and move on to the next chapter of his life, currently living in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, joyfully married with a 17-month-old little girl. Being a professional athlete, he knows the pains to the body it can bring, so he went to work for Kentucky's best hemp. That makes sense to me. So let's get to celebrate yet another Mississippi boy done real good in Lewis Coleman. Hey, Lewis, what's up? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Steve. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. So, uh... When did you graduate from Greenwood, from Pilla? I uh, graduated in 2005. So you're very, very young. You know that, don't you? I'm trying to think if you could be my <laughs> well, kid or not. You could be. <laughs> scary. <laughs> That's so scary. Hey, let's talk about first Pilla's baseball uh, legacy. It seems like they've always had a contending team. You guys grow up. Uh, is there something in the water there? And then I think about Sissy, you know, Meeks Gallagher. I just had her on the show, and I'm going like, what's going on? All these professional careers coming from Greenwood. Uh, it's a great town. Uh, a lot of great people there. and um, I just I think we were blessed and uh, just happened to have a couple of professional athletes coming through there. And uh, Kent Hall was there as well. Um, and there's just been a – a lot of great athletes come out of there, and uh, the Gallagher are some great people too. So he, Jim uh, and Sissy were always good to follow as I was playing too. Oh yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think. So Jim's heyday on the PGA Tour 
Uh, I mean, you know, we're Jim and I are around the same age, probably the same age. Would you have even remembered Jim playing on the tour? Not, not then. Uh, I remembered a little bit in like '96 ish. I can remember a little bit, but it wasn't until probably after he was done touring right. um, that I really started to dive into and read about and and got to know him too. So uh, just hearing stories and stuff uh i feel like i watched him now more yeah <laughs> but Man, uh it was uh, insane just from hearing the stories and picking his brain he would uh spend no time like no time i mean i think that he was his preparation came some point right before he got to his golf ball because he would have he'd be <laughs> chit-chatting all the time and talking 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 you know and he and then all yeah. of a sudden he'd get quiet toward his ball when he got into that like zone but he spent zero time by the time he decided he stepped up, it was gone. You know? <laughs> I mean yeah. he put his club back in his bag and he's on he's moving on. He was a fast playing dude and uh and it was amazing to watch because he, he hit this little cut shot. He called it. The ball looked straight to me. I said, That thing hasn't moved at all. And he goes, What are you talking about? you know? And uh <laughs> I got later on and got to play in the Bob Hope a number of years and I had uh Bubba Watson and I, I sent Jim a text and said, Let me tell you what a, a cut ball looks. It I mean, <laughs> Bubba Bubba's looking like fifty yards left, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, right. over, over the houses. I'm like, Where are you looking? you know? But anyway, now Jim was a joy. I used to actually go with him on some trips and follow him and watched him in contention a number of times coming down to it and it was pretty exciting just to watch a world class athlete against the best in the world and at the time oh, he was yeah, one of the best uh sissy yeah. lewis you know she was just on and you think about someone from greenwood mississippi it's, it's crazy she's got more state M championships than anybody in the world i mean and she's just right down the street it just shows you yeah. what's going on in greenwood um Take me back to growing up as a kid. Was it, you know, you, you know, the soccer became a thing. So I'm trying to understand athletically. Were you the quarterback? You know, being the pitcher. Uh, you know, were you the point guard? You know, I always sort of see you guys sort of running things, especially if you're on the mound. You know, were you a multi-star uh, athlete in Greenwood? And then how did baseball st start becoming it for you? Uh, well, growing up. Sports was always a big thing in our family, and um, I have three sisters, and all of them played softball and basketball, ran track, and uh, my mom played some basketball and uh, did some other active stuff at school that I can't remember. She's probably going to laugh at me for saying that. Uh, my dad played baseball and football track, uh, played some JUCO football, and so we've always been involved in sports and. Um, I don't really remember, you know, not playing sports. It was either uh, working on the farm or playing sports. And uh, by the time I had graduated high school, I was playing five sports. And I'd always loved them all. Soccer was probably one of my favorite. Uh, and people laugh whenever I tell them that. I just really enjoyed it. And the coach that we had was defensive coordinator for football. So uh, he's an awesome guy and it was a joy to play for. Uh, you know, baseball was something I've always done, and uh, played quarterback and punt, kick, and football. And uh, I think I got to play one play at safety 
uh, got burned at Magnolia Heights. And I don't think, I, I didn't, you can remember, I didn't right? <laughs> I, I didn't play much defense after that. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, you know, going through high school, I had always wanted to play college football, and I thought that would be something that I would want to do. And uh, my junior year of high school, I played pretty good baseball that year and uh, was above average for sure, but didn't think it was going to go to where it eventually went to. Uh, got offered by Delta State. Uh, Our, my my Oak Grove, you know, that's where I went, and, and I still preside. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, loved it. Still love it. My oldest sister went there and um, fell in love with it just going over there and hanging out with her during her four years. But my senior year rolled around, and uh, football was still enjoyed it a lot. But uh, when I started stepping on the mound for my senior year, I noticed that velocity was a little bit more than I envisioned. And by the end of my senior year, uh, we made it to the playoffs that year to play prep in the first round and uh, had one of the greatest games that I could have ever been a part of. It was so cool. Uh, So blessed just the the way that it it panned out. Uh, I think that helped get a lot of attention. And uh, that led into an all-star game, the high school all-star game. And just uh, I never thought, never dreamed that uh, this was the path that God would take me down uh, all the way into almost five years uh, of service in the big leagues. And I, I never, never saw that happening. But I've been so blessed and I'm uh, just very thankful. That's just so cool because one of my questions was going to be, was this this thing playing Major League Baseball a, an absolute goal of yours? But it sounds like you were just going with the flow and – all of a sudden, so people out of the state of Mississippi, prep is Jackson prep. A lot of history of great athletes coming from that school. When I grew up, it, it just never ends. It keeps coming and coming and coming. Uh, and all sports, uh, great school. Got a lot of friends that went there. Uh, we're talking to Lewis Coleman. Lewis, you talk about farm life. So your dad was a farmer? Still yes, sir. Is? He, he did rice. Yes, sir. He did rice and soybeans uh, and catfish for a long time and then uh, transitioned into uh, just rice and soybeans, and yeah. um, we've he grew up on a farm and has been on a farm all his life. Um, you know, I, I'd always had dreams of playing Major League Baseball, but it, it seems so far-fetched being in Slaughter, Mississippi, and just overwhelming, and, like, there's no way that that could actually happen. Uh, right. And for it all to come to fruition has been pretty cool. Uh, so uh, we farmed. And yeah. Yeah, well, I want to talk to about that. I want, I want to talk about just the whole, uh, what comes out of you uh, growing up on a farm, no excuses, you know, n- you know, you just, you get up and you work your tail off. So I want to spend a little bit of time on that because I think that that's a very vital part of how you became who you are and while things were accomplished in your life of such greatness. With Lewis Coleman, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio right now. That's where we come from. I love that. He knows all about that. Go to visit Mississippi.org once crazy times are done and passed, even if it's a new norm for us. We've got so many great things to do right here and celebrate. We're going to be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute. Thanks for tuning in. 
I've got my man Lewis Coleman, former big league pitcher, did really well, and uh, it's crazy to hear how this thing has worked out. Don't forget to go to visit Mississippi.org right now. When we're, well, not now, when we're done with this interview, and find out all the great things that are here to offer that we have for you in Mississippi. Uh, it's all there, as well as uh, make sure you keep our state clean best you can. That could be a new norm for sure. I think it's very important. We're coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Lewis Coleman, we're talking farming now because all the farmers that I grew up with and the, and the friends that I grew up with that said they'd never farm, and they're all farming, by the way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, hey, it took the big leagues for you not to be farming. It's so funny. And I want to talk about, is it something you could ever see yourself doing later in life? Because when you're born and raised into that, man, that's, that's deep-rooted, pardon the pun, but it is. Uh, your work ethic, there's no compromise. You know, watching your dad work on the farm and, and people that worked with your dad and doing that, like I said, no excuses. Don't you feel like that that made you really more prepared when you stepped up at Yankee Stadium? I mean, I could be exaggerating a little bit, but I don't think I am. I think that farmers gamble the most. They work the hardest. And I just think that growing up and working and seeing that kind of work ethic just it pays off. So what do you think with you and your career at this point? I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, my parents did an incredible job raising us. Uh, looking back, they, they'll say now that they might have made a few mistakes, but uh, just looking back at the way that they did some things and in, instilled some things in us uh, was very key in all of us and all of our careers that we have now. And uh, farming's really tough. And my dad asked me one day, uh, somewhere about high school, maybe early college, uh, if that if that was something that I wanted to do. And I had seen it, you know, growing up and how hard he had to work. And, you know, it really tests your faith uh, because you can put the seed in the ground, but then you got to wait for the, the good Lord to, to bring mm-hmm. the water and just the right amount and not too much. And, um, you know, that just wasn't something that I really thought I wanted to do just because it, it seems so tough. And uh, my dad at times made it seem easy. Um, but it just wasn't something I wanted to do. But I enjoyed being on the farm hunting and, you know, helping him. And, right. Uh, and nothing came easy. Um, and, and just my mom working all the time, uh, a couple jobs, and dad doing everything he could to support the family because, uh, I mean, we were going to Pilla and, uh, playing all those sports and it, it wasn't easy on them uh, to make to balance all that and make it all work and so it just gave me a sense of appreciation and try not to take things for granted and mm-hmm. um, uh, our faith was probably the most important thing um, or it is the most important thing that they taught us and and so that also gave me a little bit of peace and helped create some patience along the way because they're Along the way through my career, there were a lot of bumps and bruises and right. um, a lot of times where we could have quit. But you think back to the farm and you think back to the things that my parents taught us uh, that really kind of made you stand up, bow your chest up, and say, all right, we can do this. And I got my family behind my back, and I got Jesus behind me, and let's yeah. do it. 
Yeah, well, then you're all set. I can tell you that. Well, becoming a parent, it's amazing how creative you become financially. <laughs> so let me tell you what. You don't just borrow from uh, Peter to pay Paul. You borrow from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I mean, you borrow from all of them to play. You know what I mean? And you just you figure it out. I mean, as a parent, anything for your children, especially, especially when they're showing promise because they're working their tails off and their faith is strong and they're you know they're proud we're we're proud of our kids man it's just a and now that you're a father i want to talk about that but just get ready because you think you focused on the mound you think you even came close to focusing on the mound you're going to take it to a new level because there's something else man there's another level about kids you know we we had this this joke that we had a a miniature dachshund named Mr. Simon that was our first child, right? And we were thinking, how the heck are we going to love a chi- uh, an, uh, anything more, <laughs> you know? And uh, and it's it's crazy. I know that people that have dogs for the first time in their life, uh, right before kids, they I think a lot of a lot of people think that way. And then you're going, whoa, man, this is awesome. But but I'm excited about your future with you know with your family and and how grounded you are already. We're talking Lewis Coleman, major leaguer. Um, all right, let's let's go back for a second. We got to talk about how the All Star Game was it there where LSU finds you and why? I know I love it. And 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 did you turn down Boo Ferris? Because I want to know how you did. Because when I, you know, was still was Boo still at the Helms at the time? Um, let's start there. So is Boo recruiting you? Uh, uh, it was actually it would have been Coach Kennison. Oh, Kennison. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. And. Uh, he told, I had told him that I appreciated it and I wanted to see what else was trying. I didn't want really, to, you know, jump too early. Um, but he said it was an open invitation, so we can circle back around. And so, like I said, I played in the All Star game, and after the All Star game, I end up pitching six or seven innings of the All Star game, which, looking back, that probably was way more than I was supposed to throw, but. It turned out to be a blessing as well. Uh, the coach, I was on the north, and the coach of the south came up to me after the game, and the first thing he said uh, to me was, do you not have good grades? Why are you going to, to Meridian Community College? Because oh, uh, back up a little bit, I had signed with Meridian Community College uh, in the middle of my senior year. <clears throat> and uh, so he said that, and I was kind of taken back, and I said, well, no, sir, I, I have – pretty good grades and he said well why are you going there he said uh you know other than delta state that's the only place that uh had really offered me you know another juco or two i said but i I just thought that was a great fit for me right now and uh he said well what do you think about going to lsu would you like me to call him and i kind of laughed and i was like well yeah you know i grew up a diehard mississippi state fan and they weren't showing any interest and uh, wow. I'm really not a big fan of Ole Miss, but they weren't showing any interest. In, well, you're uh, not supposed to be a fan of Ole Miss if you're a big Dallas uh, State well, fan. Be, trying, <laughs> you don't have to be politically correct politically on this show. Correct. I got yeah, them coming yeah. from both sides. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, anyway, it, um, sure enough, that next Monday, uh, the recruiting coordinator, hitting coach, Turtle Thomas for LSU calls, and um, one thing led to another, and they tried to watch me pitch a few times over the summer i kept getting rained out it was like it wasn't supposed to work so finally uh it all works out they see me pitch i I even went to a regional game they were playing rice and i think they actually lost in the regional 
uh, but they offered me there. Um, and, you know, one thing, we call Mississippi State. We try to get something from them. Uh, I like that. Now they, now we got le- called leverage in the music Now business. we got leverage. <laughs> and uh, call them and, and trying to get something from them, see what they could offer. And uh, hindsight, if they would have offered anything, we probably would have gone to Mississippi State. But, once again, the good Lord was looking out. And we went to Ole Miss, and they were playing Texas in a Super Regional. It was a year Texas won the – the World Series, and Ole Miss won game one. And, uh, we were there for, I think they had to finish a game one and start a game two all in the same day. And It was crazy atmosphere, and I hate to admit it, but the, the coaching staff then, with Dan McDonald was still there, and now he's at Louisville, but uh, he was still on that staff, and Bianco, and they actually were really nice. And uh, it was a treat to uh, be able to, to experience all that, even though it was Ole Miss. And uh, but it cool experience and uh, actually ended up turning LSU down and said, no, I'm going to go to Meridian. And, oh, uh, come on. Wait, wait. I'm so I confused did. right now. First of all, I Kennison, know. I know the, I know how he goes, and he's got Boo on his shoulder. Like, you know, he's, he's looking <laughs> down from us from heaven. He was one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life. Uh, and, 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 and amazing man. You've got no, me curious about a lot of things. We've got to take a break because I want to keep going where we're going right now. We're with Lewis Coleman. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, former major leaguer, just like very, very recently a former major uh, leaguer. Uh, Delta boy, Mississippi boy, just done amazing things. His story just is, uh, it's moving me. I'm getting excited about it, and as, as my curiosity has arisen, don't forget to go to visit Mississippi.org to find out all the cool things you can do and celebrate in the arts, especially let's talk music right now. Okay, we are the birthplace of American music. Lewis, you know all about it. So would you like to hear the North Mississippi All-Stars or Howlin' Wolf into the break? Uh, North Mississippi All-Stars. That's it. We'll be right back with Lewis Coleman. Hey, for the one thing in this world I crave A big-legged woman shake me down to my grave Humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank with its 17 convenient locations, help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock, here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Rolling down an entire Mississippi Minute with a Mississippi native who now the state of Kentucky has stolen away. I got friends there, so I'm okay with it. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. I'm with former major leaguer LSU standout 
Greenwood Pillow Standout, just salt of the earth kid, and Lewis Coleman. Now don't forget to go to visit Mississippi.org, everybody. There's so many cool things to do right here, and you don't need to travel far for a while. And until the globe can come to us, let us support all that we have to offer uh, and celebrate. I'm Steve Azar. I appreciate you tuning in. Lewis, I'm not upset right now. I'm confused, and, and, I, and I'm curious. So I love your patience, and so I'm going to move on. You go to LSU. I got a t- two things happen right now. Please tell me that my math is at least close to correct. Please tell me that you did win a World Series and a World Series at LSU and for the Kansas City Royals, a pennant, etc. For some reason, I'm losing it. My facts sometimes get thrown in a blender and come out however they want to. So, I'm correct? Yeah. So, well, I, I think we're leaving out an integral uh, part of this whole okay, story. Okay, go back. Kind of, right. it's, it's, it's kind of funny. we got to go back for just a, a half. I love it. Let's go. Uh, I'm in high school, and I didn't even realize the baseball draft was going on. Uh, and I'm working for a friend of mine, Morgan Gulledge. Um, he's got, he had some head of cattle and uh, some other stuff around the house. And so we're bailing hay one day. My phone rings. I don't answer it because I don't have the number. Uh, it goes to voicemail. While I'm driving the tractor, I listen to the voicemail. Don Thomas fella is telling me that I got drafted. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm really confused. And uh says he's with the Atlanta Braves. And so now I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on? So uh, in the voicemail, don't call him back. Just keep bailing hay. At lunchtime, uh, I head back to the house, sitting down to eat lunch. I said, Mr. Gulledge. Mr. Gulledge's son, Bill, and I graduated high school together. And I said, Mr. Gulledge, I got this phone call from this fella. And said I got drafted to play some baseball. And he said, what? I mean, he goes berserk. He's so excited. I said, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm excited, on. just FYI. I'm also excited, yeah. okay? <laughs> yeah, so I, I call him, call the guy back, and we talk, and then I call my parents, and they had already heard from him, and, you know, it was just a whirlwind of uh, an experience there. Just it, that's I wanted to say that only to say how uh, bizarre I thought it was. Well, it's out of your hands. I mean, you did all the work. Do you understand that you did all this incredible work and your folks, uh, the support, and your faith and all that, and you, because of that, you know, it's, it's unusual sometimes to be, a lot of times, especially when you're taking it to that level, you know you know what I'm saying? But those are the cards. I mean, those are God's plans and all that. You know, you, you, you did put the seeds in the ground. You worked, you cultivated, you watered, you, 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 you farmed it, you know, your talents. And then look what happens, and that's what happens. But so you've got LSU there. I'm just wondering how the heck... It took so long for everybody to see. Now, I know you talked about when you pitched your senior year in high school that things just started to really click. It, it sounds like to me. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, you do your strength, maybe the fastball start because you were a fastball thrower with the slider and all that, right? That was more of your thing. Yes, sir. Okay. So, were you throwing hard the, in 11th grade, or did, you, did your velocity really pick uh, up? I would say uh, going into my senior year, I did a winter camp at Mississippi State, and I think I was throwing like 88, uh, and which was the hardest I'd thrown. Uh, so in my junior year, it was probably 85 to 87-ish. Uh, but then my senior year, I got it up to low to mid nine, like 93, 94. Um, what did so you that attribute that to, job. do you think? You stronger working out? Just maturing yeah just maturing and growing and growing into my body because I, I grew i got really tall and super lanky and then 
was never like beefy by any means. Never looked strong, but I think it just I uh, was blessed with a huge, uh, a tall frame and and had long, flexible muscles and yeah, it just all kicked in at the right time and uh, and you mentioned the LSU and my freshman and sophomore year were a lot of peaks and uh, let's see peaks and a lot of valleys yeah. let's say that yeah. uh and it, it was a roller coaster there uh and so take us to lsu now you're there you you just you finally yeah. decide you're going to lsu I'm, but but back up a split second you turn down the draft did y'all weigh that heavily or did you just feel like okay now i'm going to lsu instead you felt like okay it, it was a draft and follow pick so it was like they only had two more years left of that, I think, uh, which meant they had the rights to me. So if I went to Meridian, they would, they thought I was going to Meridian. The right. Braves did. So uh, they draft me so they could have watched me for the year. If they liked me at the end of that year, then they would have signed me. Mm-hmm. But whenever I ended up changing all the plans and decided to go to LSU, it voided all that. So we're at LSU. Uh, the first four or five starts of my uh, college career were all midweek starts and was rocking along pretty good, uh, getting my feet wet, getting used to everything, and then all of a sudden get thrown into SEC weekend and pitched on the weekend for the rest of the freshman year. Um, <laughs> this. And there were some games where Alabama gave up three or four runs, you know, in the first couple innings and then end up walking the last batter in the ninth inning, which if I got him out would have been a complete game. Oh uh, my God. So, like, so we had really good games like that. And then Vanderbilt, I'm pretty sure I gave up about 10 and didn't make it out of the first. So there were some really good games and some really, really bad games. Hey, what, what do you think you uh, attribute that to? In this case, I think it was more not really understanding how to pitch. Had some velocity, which got me out of trouble sometimes. Had an okay breaking ball, but it was more not enough confidence and not really sure what I was doing. I was just throwing. You needed the experience. Because, yeah, you needed some experience. Yes. Yeah. And so my sophomore year, they it got worse. And so uh, I ended up dropping into submarine, and that was bad, and didn't pitch very much. And so at the end of my sophomore year, they called me in for a meeting and that spring of my sophomore year also did very poorly academically it was it was not a good I was did not have my head screwed on correctly not like I was getting in trouble it was just I wasn't doing good academically wasn't doing good on the field and it just I felt like the the wheels were coming off and uh it's not that I wasn't trying I just it it just didn't work you know Lewis all uh, all all great stories have these valleys they have to otherwise they're not great because you're coming, you're going to, you're going to yeah, find your well, way out of it. It's the truth. <laughs> That's right. So they called me in for the the meeting at the end of that year and uh, sit me down. I was the last meeting on the whole team, and he sits me down and me and Coach Maneri. Long story short, I'm going to get cut. I could I could walk back on, and wow. I, I lose it. LSU was like a life changer for me, so I lose it. I start crying and tell them I don't want to go anywhere. And, they said, well, Lewis, we just don't have any room, and you can walk on. And I said, no, I can't do that. Like, my, my parents can't afford that. We can't do that. So they send me out of the room. They bring me back in. They work out a deal with me. They cut my scholarship a little bit, enough to where it sent a message, but not enough to where my parents couldn't figure something out. Right. But he also made me do 15 hours of summer school to prove my worth there. So 
I busted that summer. The best 15-hour credits that I'd ever done also taught me a lesson that it, huh. it's not that it just took a little bit different game plan for my academics. That led into my junior year and uh, tell them I want to change the way I pitch a week before the season started and didn't pitch halfway through the junior year. Finally had to go into the coach's office, sit down and tell him, hey, the only reason why I'm telling you I'm your second best pitcher is because the guy that I think is deserving of being number one right now, is he's a really good friend of mine and I'm not taking that away from him. But I'm your number two. Where do you think I stand? He said, oh, about 14 or 15. So... Uh, that was a shock as well. I, you know, I figured he would at least say seven or eight. But anyway, that pivotal point, coach said, you're going to get some shots. And so it, it took that confidence of walking in that office and kind of laying it out there where if I fail now, yeah. they're all going to know. Yeah, you got to back it. I, I, I you got to back it. Right. I got to back it. I think that was a huge step. And um, Coach Maneri having a talk with me and saying, hey, I know your faith is important, but when you walk across that line and you get on the mound, you have to be have this bulldog mentality. You can still be a nice person, but you have to compete differently than you've been competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that fire that you say that all your people say that you had when you were in high school. or It's not that confidence. And so it was a little bit of that and a little bit of just that walking through that door. And uh, after all that happened, our junior year was a great year, and we ended up setting an SEC record for consecutive SEC wins, and we won 23 in a row, and then uh, go to Omaha to the World Series, and then I give up a grand slam uh, to go home from the World Series. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, there comes another one of those valleys, but Coach Mary came to me the next morning at breakfast. We're getting ready to head back to Baton Rouge, and he says, uh, if you don't I had gotten drafted by the Washington Nationals that year as well. And he says, uh, if you don't sign, if you'll come back, 100% scholarship to come back, which was, you know, now we're saying school for free like this is. But it was a lot to think about. And uh, I got home, got in a boat, started fishing one day, and it just, I said, you know what, that's where we need to be. And we went, we had unfinished business, and 09 was the greatest year. We're with Lewis Coleman, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, former major leaguer. JT and Rhino. These are great people. They're tough, they're smart, and they love our country. The JT Show. The greatest of all time. Weekdays 10 to 1. Let me hear it. Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute. Thanks for tuning in. I've got my man Lewis Coleman, former big league pitcher. Don't forget to go to visit Mississippi.org right now. When we're, well, not now, when we're done with this interview. And find out all the great things that are here to offer that we have for you in Mississippi. Uh, we we got to get to the major leagues. So it's a Mississippi Minute, you know, it's it take you know you got we got patience for it. But now let's get to the majors. Let's talk about take me to New York, eleventh inning. What's that got to feel like? Joaquin Soria was our closer that year, and he comes in in the ninth inning, and 
Um, he didn't blow very many saves, but yeah. he did that one. He got and blasted. You could see, yeah. kind of see it how it playing out and saying, "Hey, if we take a lead, there's only a few of us left, and if it comes up at the right spot, uh, that year the Yankees had a spot in the lineup, had three or four righties in a row, and uh, Jeter had gotten hurt in the middle of that game, and." they still put a righty into his spot. So I knew if it got to the right spot, I might be the guy to have to close it out if we take a lead. And sure enough, in the 11th, we take the lead. And so I'm running into Yankee Stadium and <laughs> headed out there. And it was really late, kind of chilly. But it was like a, it was a nice evening. And the first batter I got to face is A-Rod. And, uh, <laughs> I just love this. It this was, is awesome. It, it was... Uh, it, it made me. It was humbling. Made me step back a little bit, but at the same time, I was like a rookie and wanted to prove myself. So yeah. you never want to take your foot off the gas, and so you know you want to look around, but at the same time, it's like no, forget it. Let's go. We got to get to work. If you want to stay in the big leagues, you got to make things like this happen. You got to wow. pick your teammates up, and so one, two, three. You really <laughs> just love it. That, yep. Yeah. All right. So. You decide that you're going to retire, but it looks like to me this next chapter of your life makes all the sense in the world to you. And I just think that that's just your upbringing, my man. I'm just telling you. Your folks did a heck of a job. I think so, too. I think I think my parents did a good job. Yeah, Probably well, haven't told them enough either. Yeah, well, we're telling them right now in front of everybody. So they're, they're getting kudos. <laughs> Mom and Dad, way to go. So <laughs> now you're doing this thing. You're you're spending time uh, in the hemp world, you know, and which really, you know, we get that now. It's become a very vital, popular deal. So what? Uh, how did how did you uh, end up with that this real gig that you're doing? I wasn't sure if I was going to hang them up or not. So my father-in-law actually works for the company, uh, Kentucky's Best Hemp. Hop on for just a little bit, do some part time, and he said, "Why don't you do it?" See if you like it, and then if baseball doesn't work, you can do this. So I did it. So, All right, uh, so you're doing that now, and uh, you guys are doing a 40. What did we talk about, 40%? You're going to do a, a deal for our listeners. What we got going? They're always running promos. Right now they're doing uh, free shipping, and if, if the listeners always check, there's always a different promo. Okay. Um, we're, we were running a 30% site-wide, so it was hard to put in a 30% that they're uh, doing – 10% of all sales right now are going to uh, a fundraiser for nurses. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Frontline workers. That's awesome. And then uh, you can check on all that on the website. It's KentuckysBestHemp.com. So K-Y-S-BestHemp.com. Okay. And, uh, but there's like Mother's Day, we'll have something coming up uh, for a, a percent off there too. So it's always changing and doing different stuff. Um, and we have all sorts of stuff like oils and, these little gummy bears you can take, and um, there's full spectrum, and there's stuff without the THC, and right, of course, that you of can course. Right. Uh, I love gummy bears. It really has been cool. It's it's fun to be able to sell something that is a healthy lifestyle and can help people. Coming from a major leaguer, uh, and I hate that we didn't get to spend a whole lot of time talking about your major league career because that was such a pivotal thing. But there's something about your journey. I think that's just so intriguing, and when kids are listening now and folks are trying to figure out their route, I think that you've been extremely helpful and informative, and we'll maybe get you on another Mississippi Minute when you have time and just explore the entire journey of your major league career, because that's obviously the pinnacle, 
But I can't thank you enough for spending the time, and I'm going to hug on Jimmy, Jim, and Sissy, or elbow them, or whatever I can do in this time. And but, but I appreciate you. Yeah, go to visit Mississippi.org. Check out all the incredible things to do right here in our great state. These are trying times. We'll get through them with a man like Lewis Coleman, who's been my guest today, a man of great faith. Uh, that says it all to me. We've been in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. We'll talk to you later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. These are trying times, and my friends at Guarantee Bank believe in every crisis. There lies an opportunity. Use this time to plan for the future as life returns to normal. It always does. Stay safe, help those in need or who are struggling with the effects of the crisis. Stay six feet apart and wash your hands. Let Guarantee Bank make this chaotic time a little less stressful. They have a full menu of electronic self-service options that allow you to make deposits, transfer money, pay bills, check balances, and much more from your phone or computer. If you'd like to talk to a Guarantee Bank member at your branch, they're available from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. The phone number is 800-847-7454. Stay safe and stay healthy. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. Whether you're a rebel, a bulldog, a golden eagle, or just a sports fan, Super Talk Mississippi has got a podcast for you. For you. Sports Talk Mississippi, The Rebel Report, Thunder and Lightning, The Super Talk Eagle Hour, and The Borky Show are all now available for you. And it's all free. Free. Get them all on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.